All right, praise the Lord. It's, uh, it's, it's still a fruitful season, isn't it? God's hearing and answering prayer and working in the lives of people, and, and uh, we, just give, we just give praise and glory to God. It's uh, still very difficult, you know? Um, I, I, I've told all of our guys, let's not spend so much time talking about how weird it is to be ministering to everyone from an empty room, um, but it doesn't change the fact that, that we all miss each other's faces, you know? And it's cool, I thank God for, for Zoom, I thank God for Skype and FaceTime and Teams and, uh, you know, thank, thank the Lord for all of those tools and, uh, you know, we have the opportunity to see one another, but it's still tough. I, I, you know, and then what's weird is as things ramp up, we're going to see each other, but we're not going to be able to hug. I mean, how, how messed up is that, you know? It's, 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 it's just not right. So, Lord, come quickly. <laughs> Um, they'll be they'll be hugging in the clouds. They'll be holy smooching in the clouds. We'll be able to get our arms around one another. And and um, but uh, if the Lord tarries, then hasten the day that we can get back uh, to be together. And speaking of that, okay. So uh, after the sixth, starting May sixth, actually the the on ramp starts back toward new normal, and, and at least in terms of here in Kansas City, they're saying that they want to use the data uh, to determine that, and I don't know what the, 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 the definitions are going to be for uh, tripping points to another step toward normalcy, but um, what they're saying is 10% occupancy or 10 people in a room whichever's biggest, and, and I just kind of feel like this room can seat about 3,000. I don't know why, but uh, we'll have to do some research on that. <laughs> um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be working really hard on this tomorrow and uh, coming up with a game plan. So I'll be meeting with the pastors, I'll be meeting with Chris Miller and the, and the, the facilities team, and, and, uh, and so then Tuesday, we'll have a short prayer meeting. Okay, because we're going to have to have a, a live Zoom uh, strategy meeting with the whole church. And so we'll talk about that on Tuesday. But the idea would be is that, you know, one login per household, if everybody can kind of gather around a camera, then we'll all get on Zoom together and, um, and uh, see if we can do some Q&A and, and, and work through just the details of what it's going to look like for at least the next several weeks while we get back to a new normal. So Tuesday will be a little different, short time of praise and worship, prayer meeting, and then we'll, we'll, we'll meet at, at a yet-to-be-disclosed location uh, on, on Zoom. Um, my heart's full. You know, it's... Uh, it's kind of weird. It's May. My daughter gets married at the end of the month, and, and on Friday, it uh, was like a trigger point for me whenever I looked down the corner of my screen, and I saw it was 5-1-20, and uh, trying, to get, trying to get finished up for LFBI. I must have just broke down three or four times on Friday, so if you were in my LFBI class on Saturday, my apologies. Uh, I wasn't probably all there. 
And uh, this morning, uh, I, was getting, I was getting fat pills for the team. Uh, fat pills are the little delicious nuggets, the bacon, egg, and cheese uh, biscuits and sausage egg McMuffins and that kind of thing. McDonald's is like this magic portal to deliciousness. You just pull up to the window, tell them what you want, and they, and they hand it to you for a price. And uh, growing up, that was like a favorite thing for our kids. They, uh, we, you know, it's a, a fun memory driving through McDonald's. Uh, on our way to church. And so, you know, this morning, I don't know if I freaked out the McDonald's workers or not. You know, I'm just all weepy, buying 10, 10 sandwiches for the team. And, and they probably thought, you know, that was just my way of going out or something, you know, <laughs> on fat pills. I... <laughs> so, so pray for the Miles family. Uh, it's, this isn't the best family's first rodeo. Uh, but but pray for the Miles family. We're we're working through the the whole letting go process. It's a it's a you know a season of loss. But then at the same time, you just hear all the testimonies of how the gospel's going out, and people are coming to Christ. I'm so grateful that uh, reconciliation with moms comes to the point. It just coincides with. God's appointment with her heart, and, and then we're, we're seeing people follow in obedience to the Lord's command, and, and it's a very fruitful time, and nothing should hinder, right? Is the gospel bound? Is the gospel changed? Is the word of God over our life quarantine? No, you know, and so this is why we're in the book of Philippians. Uh, this is a time of rejoicing, Yes, there are distresses. Yes, there are trials. Yes, there are difficulties. Yes, not everything works out the way that we want it to after the flesh. Whoop-de-doo, poopy-doo. <laughs> what does it matter? Whatever God's cool with, that's great. God's being glorified and we ought to be full of joy. So let's pray and we'll get into Philippians chapter one. Father, we love you. And confess all you have ever done is love us. You've been nothing but good to us. Lord, thank you for distresses. Thank you for times of stretching. Thank you for trial. We need them because these are the things that grow us up and conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, in Jesus' name, we just ask that you would use this morning to encourage us, to build us up in our faith. Lord, would you use this morning to bring us to the place of, of obedience, Lord, because we reckon your word true over our lives. Lord, help us to be a people that, that daily we just move forward in faith for your glory. God, I'm asking in Jesus' name that, Lord, you'd be glorified as the word is opened. Um, thanks, brother. That you'd be glorified as the word is opened and, and that, uh, Lord, through all of that, that we would be a people who are blessed. And so, Father, bless our time today in your word. Set me and my stumbling lips aside, and God, just be glorified. Have your way. We're your people. You're our God. Uh, to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Brother, did I get it all? I'm, I'm good for the camera? It's okay? Okay. It's, it's not going to show up on the camera. Okay, that's good. All right, Philippians chapter 1. <laughs> Last week, we saw joy, right? Paul is imprisoned, and yet his testimony is joy over the fact that the, mes- the message of the gospel is getting out. Look at verse 18. Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. What then? What? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Some people are getting bold because they see God rocking, right? In my ministry, God's moving in my ministry regardless. Some people get bold for that. Other people are trying to make trouble for me. Man, as long as the name of Christ, the gospel of Christ is getting out, I'm rejoicing, I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also. So look at that in verse 20. Look at Paul's attitude. Paul was not ashamed of his imprisonment. He was jailed for obeying God. So if the popo put you in the prison because you were doing right by your creator, well, then that's on him. And God can be glorified. You can rejoice. So he's not ashamed of his chain. It's a badge of honor. He is entering into the fellowship of Christ's suffering. And so get this down in your notes, right? You're going to review, review, write. Being right in the center of God's will will give you the boldness of a lion, okay? You want to get that. If you know that you're going through distress, but you're in the center of God's will, well, then you're going to be bold. You're not going to retreat. You're going to press forward. Look at Verse 20, he says, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Christ will be magnified in my body. My body is tied to a chain, but that's just a canvas for the glory of the Lord to resound from my life. You see that word magnified? You can underline that in your notes or in your Bible. That comes from a Greek word meaning mega, like a megaphone. I've got a voice. I need to mega it so I make it louder. Uh, If I go to McDonald's, I go through the drive-thru. I don't want to just get a Coke. I want to supersize it. I want the mega size. I want to mega it. I want to make it great. I need an increase in my life. John the Baptist got that. He was a man of God. He was ordained to prepare the people of Israel to receive her creator, her Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was a big man individually. He has a big responsibility. He's the one preparing the way of the Lord. And look at his take. He says, you know, I've got Jesus in my life, but I need the biggie size. I need the mega, I need the mega size of Jesus in my life. I need the biggie size, the helping of Jesus on my plate. Look at what he said in John chapter three and verse 10. He, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. And that was Paul's mindset as well. It's all about Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than anything, right? I'd rather have Jesus Give me more of Jesus, mega size, right? Christ will be magnified in my body. I want Christ to be glorified. I must use this distress to declare the resurrected Christ's glory in my body, whether it's through my life, at the end of this chain, through my quarantine, or it's by my death. It's no matter to me. So Paul spent his entire life after he met Christ with one objective, one purpose, one passion, and that's making Christ known in his life, in his body. Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, whether he's free 
or he's, or, he's, or he's preaching from the end of a chain, whether he's quarantined. And so God responded by using Paul greatly in the lives of people. The entire world today knows who the Apostle Paul is. They know his message. Well, many do. You and I are here, and we're on our way to heaven because of Paul's ministry. So what about you and I, okay? Is Christ going to be mega-sized in our life. Man, what an incredible thing. You know, we saw, we saw three brothers and sisters, right, getting baptized, taking that first step of obedience. What is that? That is the first step of magnification. It's not my will, right? It's not my life. It's not my agenda. I'm going to subordinate. I'm going to submit. I'm going to, I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to follow in obedience to the Lord's command. Why? Because Christ must be magnified, I don't get to live my life the way that I want to. Disciples don't follow Jesus any old which way. They don't follow Jesus any way that they want to. They follow in obedience to his commands. The Lord said, get wet. He said, get dunked. And so we're doing it. Why? He must be magnified in my body. So what do you long for in this life? Whenever you think about the future, what are you thinking about? Well, that's going to be determined by what you value. And if Christ is your life, and that's key, Whenever you get that Christ, right, life is Christ, Christ is life, look at verse 21. Paul says it this way. Why does Christ have to be magnified in his body? Because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So if Christ is gonna be magnified, whether it's by my life or my death, that's up to him, then to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I choose I wot not. It's not really my choice anyway, personally. I don't get to make this call. That's up to the Lord, how he wants to use me. He says in verse 23, for I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. I mean, he's writing this epistle to God's people from the end of a chain, y'all. And so he's saying, you know, being in heaven with Jesus would be far better than this. But I'm in a, I'm in a quandary here. I, I know what I want. Uh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Take me home, Lord Jesus. Verse 24, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is even more needful for you. I know what I want, I know what I need, but I know what you need more. It's more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for the furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. So a lot of people would look at this and on the surface they would say, Paul is just some lunatic suicide. I mean, this is the rant of a suicidal lunatic. No, that's not what's happening here, right? What we have just read is the great insight into some of the deepest Christian truth you'll ever, you'll ever come to personally know. Now follow me, I don't wanna lose anybody, okay? Paul, at the time of this writing, it's a very short time after the fact that the inhabitants of this planet just murdered their creator. They just crucified their creator. But the awesome thing about Christianity is that we serve a risen savior. He is in the world today. I know that he is risen. It doesn't matter what you say, right? I see him at work in my life. And the same thing's true for the apostle Paul. See, this is something that you are, it, it, it's, it, it's something that, that uh, you know, you're not to have just blind faith in this fact, okay? Uh, you're not commanded to just blindly believe that Christ rose from the dead. There are actually, 
Uh, you'll see it in Acts chapter 1, okay? There's many infallible proofs for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, 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 the facts, the data set that supports the resurrection of Christ, there's more proof for that than there is for any other event in ancient history. You can take the resurrection of the creator to the bank. And when you understand how your life is to be connected to the fact that our risen Lord, right, you are in Christ, in him, you have just discovered the source for a joyful life. My creator loved me so much that he was willing to be slain at the hands of his creation in order to pay our sin debt before the Lord. Christ took my sin to Calvary and he hung on the cross. He died the death. He suffered the judgment that was my responsibility to bear. But God so loved me, he wasn't willing that I would perish. He took, he took the burden, the penalty, the wickedness of my sin and suffered the wrath of the Father Man, I'm so grateful that he did that. I'm so grateful that the living God loved me that much and took my death. He took my place. And on the third day, he rose from the grave to eternal life. And now, I don't just worship a, cor a corpse, right? You don't just worship the dead. No, we serve a resurrected, a living, and a worthy Lord. See, our God isn't bleached bones, but he is a powerful, life-giving source are you in him? Are you connected to the powerful life-giving source? And here's the question on the floor this morning. Does your life reflect the power of the relationship that you have with the Lord of life? Does your life show the fact that you are connected to the eternal Jesus? If not, why not? Can you say that you're living in victory in a time of quarantine? You're not at the end of a chain, brothers and sisters, but you are you are going through a time of distress. You are going through a time of repression, right? Of, 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 of suppression. You're going through this time where you are removed from the life that you want to live. Uh, it is a small trial, but it's a real trial. Are you full of joy? Are you living in victory? If not, why not? I want to submit to you, you want to get plugged into the life of Christ. You need to call on him. Confess him as your Lord and Savior today. You need Jesus in your heart. What about all the people who claim, well, yeah, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but their life is just one big depressing melodrama. What about that? What about that, Pastor? Their life is still stuck living in defeat. What's your answer for that? Okay, how can I make sure that my life is connected to the power of the life in Christ? Let's look at what the Apostle Paul is saying here in Philippians chapter 1. Check out verse 21 again. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. Okay, for me to live is not me. For me to live is not what I want. For me to live is Christ. There are no other conditions. There are no other caveats. There are no other expectations. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Okay, now think about your life for a minute. Let's do a, let's do a thought experiment, okay? Just think of, stop thinking about what I'm saying right now and just think about your life and everything that's involved in your life. Your life, in terms of the things that you possess, it's probably the most important thing that you have. Now again, you know where I'm going if you've been here any length of time. Christ is the most important thing you can actually possess, but outside of that for a moment, just your soul, your life, 
That is the most precious, important thing you have. You say, well, my spouse, my children, my, uh, all of that, without your life, you didn't have any of that. Everybody with me? Amen? Your life is a very important thing. So what is that life sourced in? That's your next blank. What is your life sourced in? That is the most important question. Life must be sustained. Without sustenance, without a sustaining component, life cannot continue. We all know that. Every year you plant a garden, and every year it suffers. Why? Because you forget to sustain it, right? It is not just a a magical system that just keeps going on its own. It has to have nutrients. It has to have water. You You have to put a lot of input into your garden if you're going to get fruit out of it. So what is your life sourced in? How is it sustained? Get this down. Whatever your life is sourced in, that is what you will also die in. Don't miss that, okay? Because this is, ah, man, I can say don't miss it, but some of you are going to miss it. Lord Jesus, help us this morning to get this. Whatever your life is sourced in, that's how you're also going to die. That's what you will die in. Now, for most Christians, the sickening reality is, is they confess Christ as Savior, but they're not living Christ. They're pursuing all other objectives but Christ. And for a lot of Christians, if they would get honest, they would say, for me to live is personal pleasure. For me to live is my love, right? My spouse, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my whatever. For me to live is making more money. That's, that, that's my life. For me to live is my education. I need, for me to live, I need more letters behind my name. For me to live is power. For me to live, and this is the saddest one of all, for me to live is fame. If I don't get enough YouTube likes, if I don't get enough Facebook lights, likes, if I don't get enough, if I don't, if I don't light up Instagram, um, you just, just make sure your safe filter is turned on and then Google how to Instagram and you're going to see a thousand articles. You're going to see more than that. You're just going to see so much information on how, on how to have that look, you know, how to blow up Instagram. I don't want to make, a, I don't want to make fun of any, Lord help me not to be offensive, but what a lame life got to be a big deal on Instagram. <laughs> what a le- sorry. I've, if you've got a ton of followers and you're an influencer, I get that. You know, there's, there's a function there for you and you can use that for the glory of God, but that's not your life. Come on. When you source your life in anything but the resurrected Savior, right, then that's how, I mean, you're going to see death in that. Paul says, for me to live to, is Christ, to die is gain. Okay, so think about that. If I source my life in anything that's of me, well, then I'm not going to be able to sustain it. I'm not going to be able to continue it. I'm not going to be able to keep it. I can't sustain it. I mean, think about that. Your heart's good for about three billion beats, and then you die. Did you know that? You say, now, scientifically, there's not like a set number of times your heart beats, but that's that's going to be a a good average. If you live a, a full lifetime, you're worth about three billion beats, and then you die. So get this down in your notes. Your flesh cannot sustain your life forever. Can't do it. No one can make a life in this world work long term. Can't be done. Best case, you're going to go past 100 a little bit. And then then you're going to give out. Now, many celebrities, right? Many rich and famous people have built up amazingly resourceful lives for themselves. Uh, they've, They've used their beauty, their power, their fame, their ability 
to amass great wealth, and with that, they get the best vitamins, they get the best health care, and they've got the best Facebook profiles and Instagram accounts. They've got all these things, right? Yet most of them cannot even keep a relationship going more than a few months. I mean, they just blow up the tabloids, tabloids all the time because they can't even keep a relationship going. Some of them can't even keep themselves from losing all hope. I mean, why in the world would an Elvis Presley OD or a Kurt Cobain, why would he do that? Why would Robin Williams take his life? Why would he do that? When they're living the lives, right, they've got some of the best scenarios personally that life could ever offer. Right now, in the midst of this pandemic, right, suicides, they're spiking. People are taking their life. Why? They're despairing and they're, and they're living at a time. People who are under, um, you know, some of the pressures of COVID-19 are still living better than their great-grandparents did. You get that, right? They're living with more comfort, more luxury, more resources than their great-grandparents did. And yet, suicide is climbing. Why? Life sourced in anything but Christ is empty. And when you've got nothing to live for, then it's easy to fall into despair and it cannot last. And I'm sorry to say, the same thing is true for many Christians. They forget that Christ is life, that life is Christ. So here's the problem. For a lot of believers, there was a point in their life where they confessed Christ as Savior, but they never came to the place where they submitted to him as Lord. Those are your next two blanks if you're taking notes. By the way, moving forward, the notes will always be, uh, if you go to mbtkc.org, you see the live link, it'll be there. On the Facebook live profile, it'll be there. You can just hit the link for the handout. And uh, Chris Miller is a genius. He, made a, he, he found a website in a, in a way so that the PDFs, you can just autofill them. Um, Brian, do you use our autofill PDF function? So does it just, it just clicks through the, or you probably got sweet tools. You can just go anywhere you want and write on anything, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. So you can just mark up your PDF and, and, uh, and then keep a, keep a set of notes for your records and for study later on. This happens all the time. People want to go to heaven, right? You've heard this, you've heard preachers throw out this phrase over and over again. Everybody wants to get to heaven, but you know, nobody wants to die. Uh, so you come to the cross looking for eternal life. You're looking for a savior, but you're not looking for a Lord. You want to be rescued from the wages of your sin, but you don't want to repent of your sin and follow Christ. As a result, you try to live the Christian life in the power of your flesh. Nothing is up to God. It's all you, and no wonder life is frustration. You know what you're supposed to do, but deep down in your heart, you don't want to do what you know you're supposed to do. You know what God wants, but you know that deep down you don't want to give it because I want my life. I want to live my life. For me to live is me. Can I just say something to you right now? Get ready for a lifetime of frustration. Absent repentance... Get used to a life of frustration and be ready to face regret and eternity. The reason you can't really live the Christian life is because you don't have your life sourced in Christ. You haven't come to the place where you can say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So why ride the fence? That's a tough ride, by the way. Especially if it's a picket fence. Don't live your life riding a fence. That's not cool, okay? 
live for your, if you live for yourself, man, if outside of Christ, live for yourself, go to hell. Uh, get in or get out. If you're gonna live for the flesh, well then do it right. Just live for yourself because this is as close to heaven as you're ever gonna get in this life. But if you've come to the place where you're saying, for me to live is Christ, and that started at Calvary, you may not have understood this concept at that time, but you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your sin bearer. I got news for you. That's just the beginning. Christ wants your life. And Paul got that. He says, life is Christ. Christ is your next blank. For Paul, there is no life outside of Christ. He knew, John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to his disciples, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So biblically, real life is Christ in you. Christ is your life. And so that's how you're moving. That's how you're living. Christ is the life of Christ. The word of Christ is working, living through you. It's how God is made known. It's how he's magnified in your life. It's how he's made bigger in your life. The Christian life cannot successfully follow the life of Christ if your heart now, if your motives, if your will is sourced in the will of the flesh. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, I have to recognize the truth of Romans 7. I have two natures. Once I'm in Christ, I'm born again. The part that makes me me is sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, and I love the word of God over my life. But my flesh, and my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And it has a will, it has an agenda that is separate, contrary, and against the will of the Father. And it's very strong. The flesh, you know, it's just basically selfish. It wants what it wants, the way it wants it, when it wants it, how it wants it. It's me all the time. The flesh says, for me to live is me. Now again, remember, your life, that's pretty precious. And you can only write three billion beats. That's the best you got to sustain your life in the flesh. Okay, so the Christian life, if it's sourced in your flesh, you're not gonna do well and you're gonna be frustrated. You can't love your neighbor with a hateful heart that only loves itself. Hello, somebody. Can I get an amen in the chat? Good night. If all I care about is myself, I'm not gonna lay down my life loving others. And I can't be truly kind. I can't serve others if I got a heart that's selfish. So true life, right? Here's the revelation. Colossians chapter one, verse 27. True life is revealed in this mystery to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, here it is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not religion in you, not self in you, not your agenda in you. Christ is the only hope of glory for your life. Paul said it this way to the church at Galatia, Galatians chapter two, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Why? Because to die is gain. Nevertheless, I live. Why? For me to live is Christ. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I don't live it from the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Brothers and sisters, can you truly say that Christ lives in you? That for you to live is Christ. Now every day, you gotta make this decision. Every day, I, I have to say, I have to work through this process. I am crucified with Christ. Every day I make the decision. Am I, gonna, am I gonna live my life or am I gonna live Christ's life? Every day I make this decision what my life will be sourced in. If I'm saved, I'm stuck saved, okay? I can't lose my, my salvation, my eternal security is secure. But how I live my life, that's either gonna be in the word, it's gonna be in the spirit, or it's gonna be in the flesh. 
Every day I'm making the decision for me to live as Christ or for me to live as me. You show me a Christian that's moving from frustration to frustration, from defeat to defeat, to failure to failure. You show me a Christian that's, that, 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 you know, they profess Christ, but they just keep living lost. You show me a Christian who claims they love the gospel, but they never proclaim it. And I'll show you someone who is deceived. They're, they may be in Christ. Spiritually, they may be joined. They're born again. They have a savior, but they've never come to the place where they're submitted to the life of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ over their life. You show me a Christian who lives after the flesh and they're not living Christ. This is the battle. This is the, this is the big question. This is the big decision. Is Christ your life? See, the word of God tells us, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, we're to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobates. So that starts from salvation, right? I have to, am I in Christ? All right. Am I in the faith? Did I believe on the gospel or did I believe on a fairy tale? This is very critical. So it starts there. But then every day of my life, once I've settled my salvation, I know I'm born again. I know that I am saved. I'm eternally secure. God's given me the assurance of my salvation. I can't give that to you. Only the word of God and the spirit of God can give that to you. But once that's settled, every day I have to examine myself. Am I in the faith or am I in the flesh? Every day I have to make the decision. Am I moving forward, living the life of Christ or am I reprobate? For me to live is Christ. And that is a daily death, isn't it? Okay, so here's how this breaks down. Once you're saved, now if you're not saved, get saved. I mean, oh my goodness. As soon as we're done, call the church, 398-8171, extension five, and we'll, we'll, we'll hook somebody up with you. Uh, but, but, but once you come to the place where you're born again, now life is Christ. And daily you make that decision. So here it is, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul could say death is gain. Death is gain. Bible students, listen up. Okay, everybody dies. Now I know some of our sharp LFBI students are saying, hold up, pastor. I know what the Bible says. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and there will be a generation that does not die. They do not sleep in the grave, waiting for the return, the rapture of the church at the return of Christ for his bride. But they're changed. They're transformed. We shall be changed. So it is true. There is a generation of believers who physically will have beating hearts right up to the second that they meet Christ. That's true. But notice the Bible's phraseology, we shall not all sleep. We shall not all sleep. So for the Christian, when your heart beats for the last time, the Lord just considers you asleep because he's going to wake your body up. Corruptible will put on incorruption. Mortal, your mortality will put on immortality. And then you'll be 100% conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Uh, he's just asleep. He's not dead. Because his faith, his life is sourced in Christ. See, for the Christian, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, your life is no longer sourced in your flesh. So if the flesh dies, whoop-de-doo. 
absent from the body is present with the Lord. It's of no lasting consequence because the moment my faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, I have eternal life. This body does not have eternal life. It will, absent the Lord's return, go to sleep and you'll put it in the grave. But at his return, Christ will say, wake up! And I'll up from the grave, I will arose. You know, I will arise. That's what will happen. But the Bible statement, Hebrews 9, 27, is everybody dies. He's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. And so even before you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible said that you were dead in your sin. That's your next two notes. You were dead in your sin, Ephesians 2, 5. Even when we were dead in sins. So my heart, before I got saved, my heart was beating. And I would have said, for me to live as me. But God said, no, you're a dead man walking. <laughs> you know, I didn't know it. But I'm like a little cartoon. I got a little X's for eyes. I'm walking around. I'm going to school. I'm having fun. I'm doing my thing. But I'm a, I'm a dead man walking. We were dead in sins. Hath quickened. God made us alive together with Christ. By grace we are saved. So when you study out Romans 6, you see how it all happened. Here it is in a nutshell, and, and, and if we can, let's go ahead. I, I did this doodle uh, the other day, and uh, maybe if we can put this back up on the screen, we'll take a, we'll take a stab at, uh, at doing this again. Okay, so in Romans chapter 6, here it is in a nutshell. When we got saved, Romans 6 verse 3, we were baptized into Jesus Christ, and we were baptized into his death, verse 3. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So Paul's point to the believer is this, don't you know that when you got saved, you were baptized into his death? Okay, so this is the way that we did this last time. And uh, let's see here, make sure that my, uh, my pen is correct. Okay, so this timeline, okay, so this is time. We'll just put that out here. And here you are on it. We're gonna just say that you're, if you're young, sorry, but you're halfway through your life. That's what we're gonna say. And remember, this, we're just, this is before Christ, and so we're gonna illustrate Ephesians 2 this way. Your little dead man walking. The problem is, is you don't have eternal life because Christ is not yet your life. And you remember we illustrated that with the symbol for infinity, okay? The eternal, the infinite. Now God saw your condition and he loved you so much, right? That 2,000 years ago, so this is before you were ever even born, you weren't even a gleam in your great, 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 great grandfather's eye, okay? So Christ came and he bore your sin at Calvary. Now, fast forward, here you are a dead man walking and you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and you recognized that God loved you so much that he sent his son and so you submitted to the gospel. You submitted to the Father and you called on the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin. And so what happened was is God baptized you. Now, water baptism illustrates what took place the moment you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. What he did is he baptized you, he placed you in Christ. Do you see that? So now, you were buried, right? You were crucified with Christ. You were buried with Christ, and as Christ rose again to eternal life, 
so also you rose with him, okay? Now that's amazing, uh, but there's more. Okay, so, so I'm gonna leave the X's under your eyes, but I'm gonna put a smile there so that you get the difference, okay? Yes, in my flesh, I'm a dead man walking. Can, can, can we see that okay? That looks like a, let, let, I'm good. Well, let me fix this. Oh no. Don't lose your head, brothers and sisters. It's gonna be okay. Okay, so uh, let, me, uh, let me see if I can make it a little, a little better here. Okay, so here you are with your big head. There. Okay, but now you're smiling. Ah, that's not a very good smile. I need, a, I need an artist doing this. I used to be able to draw. Okay, there, now that's a happy guy. Okay, so in my flesh, still there's nothing but death there, but for me to live is Christ. I'm born again. Now, just keep fast-forwarding what's gonna happen. If the Lord tarries, I'm gonna die, right? But I'm not really gonna be, a dead, because, be dead because at the moment of my death, right, absent from the body, is present with the Lord. Now, I'm asleep. I'm, I'm alive in Christ. That never changes. Absent from the body is present with the Lord, but, but in terms of my flesh, now it's asleep. Rest in peace. Okay, so now I'm dead, but eventually, we know the rest of the story, Christ is gonna return for his bride, and then the dead in Christ will rise first. That is a crazy looking arrow. I got sidetracked. I can't talk and draw at the same time. Uh, the dead in Christ will rise first. We which are alive and remain, First Thessalonians 4, come back with him. Meet the Lord in the air, right? So we have this reunion in the clouds. Okay, so that's how this thing breaks down. Now what happened though is the moment you got saved, okay, at the moment of your salvation, the moment that God put a smile on your face, you went outside of time and you were plunged into the eternal. And so just as surely as Christ was crucified 2,000 years ago, guess where you were? I was crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago. And just as surely as he was buried in the grave, I in Christ was buried in the grave and I rose on the third day, just as Christ rose to eternal life, so also I rose to eternal life. Before I was ever even born, it starts to mess with your head for a minute, doesn't it? I'm, I'm taken outside of time and I'm plunged into the eternal. Time no longer has the same meaning and significance for the born again child of God. I'm taken out of time and I'm plunged into eternity. Do you want to get me in the shot, Brian? <laughs> I'm, just messing, I'm just messing with you. Okay, so there it is. Uh, I, I, I now have, I mean, this is just the thing that a lot of people don't get their heads around, is we have, present tense, eternal life. We have it right now. So when my heart stops beating, whoop-de-doo, poopy-doo, I mean, who cares? I mean, take care of yourself. It's part of stewardship, right? Get as many miles out of this carcass as you can. But this is not where the secrets of joy for life are sourced. If I'm gonna source, if I'm gonna try to source and find the secrets of joy out of this, I'm in for a whole lot of disappointment. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, here's Christ's focus. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. Christ got this concept Hebrews 12, two says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him 
endured the cross. He could, Paul could rejoice from the end of a chain. Christ could rejoice going to Calvary to suffer the wrath of God. Why? Why could he endure the cross? Why could he despise the shame? Well, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider, verse three, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. And just as Christ rose from the grave, never to die again, just as Christ rose from the grave, knowing he had just bought a bride, paid for the sins of humanity with his life, but the purchase was complete. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Man, praise, praise God, right? He died never to die again, so also our life is eternal and secure in him. In Hebrews 9, verse 28, it says it this way, Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time unto sin with, uh, 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 without sin unto salvation. Doctrinally, this is speaking of the nation of Israel looking for the return of her Messiah, but inspirationally, well, that's what we're looking for. Once we get saved, we're looking for Christ to come get us. Once you're born again, Christ changes our understanding of not just our life in him, but also our death in him. To die is gain. To die is profit, in other words. In verse 23, he says it's far better. He says, I'm in a strait between two choices. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, verse 23, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So he says, death is far better. Why? Because if my heart isn't beating, no biggie. Right, my life wasn't dependent upon it anyway. If I'm without my body, then I'm totally with Christ. First or second Corinthians five, verse six. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Don't you long for that? To be present with the Lord. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If you don't long for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ for you, for, for you as part of the bride of Christ, that's because your affections have not matured. You love, you've got something in this world, in your flesh, in this life, that you love more than the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, young people say, Lord, I love you, I want you to return, but I'd like to get married first. And in, and in church world, that's just code for, I'd like to know what sex is like, right? Um, I'd like to know what it's like to be married. I'd like to know what it's like to, to, to have my own home, to be an adult, whatever, you know. And then a little time passes, and it's like, Lord, I love you, but I'd love to hear mommy or daddy, I love you first, you know. Uh, but then, you know, you want to see your kids grow up and get married and you want to hear grandbaby. Uh, you know, there's always something in this world that you want more than you want the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's immaturity. The more you mature, the older that you get, uh, you look forward to crossing over. You look forward to Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death. I think God allows old people to get aches and pain to help hasten your maturity. You know, it's like, when is my back going to stop hurting? Oh yeah, never come quickly, Lord Jesus. You know, I think that's part of it. Um, but man, uh, I, I think when you get to the place where you say nothing's better than Jesus, uh, that is a wonderful place because that's not an escape. 
That's the secret to joy and power and fruitfulness in your life while you're in the flesh. Paul could say, man, I'd rather be with Christ, but I know you need me here far more, and so I rejoice. Do you long for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Romans chapter 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 promise that Christ will one day take your dead flesh and make it alive. Just like he has your soul today, he's going to get your body. And so here's the key. You can't keep a Christian down, right? We've all got people we love that are in the grave, but they will rise again. You know, just uh, a few years ago, they discovered the body of James, the brother of Jesus, the son of Joseph, probably the James from the Bible. Uh, That was what was on the inscription. James, the brother of Jesus, the son of Joseph. Uh, Here is a man that put his faith in his half-brother, Jesus. And they want to study his bones. I mean, it's a really big discovery. I can't wait for the day when those bones disappear before their eyes. That day is coming. The Bible's promise is that Christ will return for those of us who have our life sourced in him. But until then, he has a purpose for us. And it's not to stop us. We don't get to call the shots. But we're here to serve a purpose until we are with him. Only the Christian can stare death in the face and say, you know, like Clint Eastwood, go ahead, punk, make my day, right? I mean, a Christian can do that. Uh, in Ephesians chapter one, when Christ rose from the grave, it was in victory over every member, uh, over every me- enemy, right? It was in victory over our sin. And when the believer understands what he has in Christ, it's hard not to get cocky around death. In 1 Corinthians 15, we saw the rapture and we saw the resurrection. And whenever the mortal puts on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, you punk, right? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? It's like, come on, punk, come on, death. You think you can take me in Christ? No way, can't touch this. Resurrection time. You know, if you were from the 80s and early 90s. You're gonna love MC Hammer for the rest of your life. I know the young people all think he's cheesy and he's a big fat mess, but he holds a special place in our heart. All right, verse 22. He says, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I choose I wot not, for I am a straight betwixt two, having a desire to part and to be with Christ, which is far better. better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence... I know that I shall abide and continue with you all, right? I'm going to live as long as God has me here, and it's for you, for your furtherance and joy of faith. Man, there's a secret to joy, isn't it? When you get to the place where you realize your life is all about Christ, it's not all about you, and God loves his people, and if you can just live to bless other people and to encourage other people, that's rejoicing. I mean, that's it. That's the secret to joy that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. So Paul knew how he served in ministry wasn't his call, it was the Lord's. And so Christian, there are so many people that need to know the joy of your faith. So invest in them from quarantine. Invest in them in the midst of distress. For you to live is not you, it's not what your flesh wants. You sustain yourself out of the flesh that's gonna be disappointment and death, 
But when you get that it's not you, it's Christ, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And if I'm gonna live my life laying it down, loving you, that's good for you and it's joy for me. That'll be rejoicing for, that'll be rejoicing for you and it'll be rejoicing for me. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna give you the same homework I've given you a number of times over the years because we must be masters at this. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. Uh, that's your homework. You need to Ephesians 4, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Be a part of building them up in their faith. Invest in them. You are to be a source of edification and rejoicing while you're here. And that can only happen if you've got a right view on your life and your death. For you to live, what is it? Is it Christ? Or is it what you want in the flesh? If you are an eternal creature, then you're gonna work to that end while you're in this life. While you're here in this time, you're gonna invest for eternity. And that's how you get beyond your life in the flesh in this world and begin to live it out as an investment, living Christ for the benefit of others. I need you to live Christ because that builds me up in my faith. I need Pastor Mata, Pastor Briscoe to live Christ because that builds me up in my faith. When you understand that your physical life is but to minister at the Lord's direction and discretion and that the end of your life is just promotion into the very presence of God, what's, bigger, what's a bigger deal than that? Well, you know, Sony's putting out a new PlayStation. <laughs> People live for that kind of junk. And it's just trash on the scale of eternity. What's the next version of gods of war Level 83. I mean, oh, but, it, but the graphics are so lifelike. Am I doing it right? Is it, that, did I, is it facing the right way? Okay. Sorry. Did I just insult somebody? Oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. Get a life. Get a life. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. And once you have that, you've got everything. You know the video games in heaven are going to be better than any trash Sony could ever put out anyway. Come on. That's what forms the foundation for Christian boldness. And that's what we're going to see next time. The boldness of the Apostle Paul. Uh, we need some of that. So you can, you, can, you can do that for homework as well. If God's dealing with your heart, okay, we're going to worship as we close this section, this section of the live stream. If God's dealing with your heart, um, please call us, okay, 816-398-8171. When you hit the auto attendant, hit five. That'll put you into the call center. If you don't get somebody in the call center, that's fine. Leave a message and somebody will call you back. You can email us, info at mbtkc.org. We want to pray with you. We want to counsel with you. Brothers and sisters, let's make sure that we're praying for uh, there are our brothers and sisters that just followed in obedience to the Lord's command today. Let's make sure we're praying for them. Let's pray for one another. Let's, uh, let's give our lives uh, living Christ and then investing that life in the body. Um, make sure you reach out to somebody today and, or, or, or this week, however the, the, the timing works out for you, but make sure you reach out to somebody and uh, encourage them, build them up in their faith. Let's make sure that the body is being edified. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. 
Lord, I thank you for the gift of being able to live Christ. What a privilege, what an amazing thing that we can be one with the creator of everything. Lord, help us to not get over that. Uh, Help us to recognize that's everything. And so, Lord, I pray specifically, particularly for the very young men in our church who are so easily distracted and who love their life on screen and uh, with friends and pursuing sports and video games and just it's it's all very fleshy and uh, Lord you know parents can grouse at them and and parents can complain and Lord their eyes have to be opened and so God I'm just asking for grace for our young men in particular that we get some young men that would decide today is the day that they're going to grow up and they're going to put off foolish things and um, you know and that's Father Please let them enjoy some relaxation and some entertainment and some refreshment. But but Lord, don't let that be their life. Lord, let some young men say, I'm done being a child. I'm going to put off, I'm going to put away childish and foolish things. And for me to live is Christ. And what whatever they pursue in life, whether it's a, you know, a career in you know, some white collar endeavor or, or in the workforce and the labor force in some way. Uh, Lord, let it be at the leading of your Holy Spirit uh, to fuel and to fund and to provide for them access and ministry. Lord, let some, let some young men grow up to be mighty men of God. Lord, give them wives of dignity and purity and zealousness some faithful, godly women that'll be helpmeets and Lord, that'll be partners with them in the work. Lord, would you bless our boys and make them mighty men for your glory.